Hello, this is Chenny Osaki. I am affiliate professor and chief of the Ophthalmic Plastic Division of the Department of Ophthalmology at the Federal University of Sao Paulo, UNIFESP. I will present our recently published article in ASJ entitled Split Face Evaluation of Collagen Changes Induced by Periorbital Fractional CO2 Laser Resurfacing. Authors are Juliana Sartori, who is an oculoplastic surgeon at the Division of Ophthalmic Plastic Surgery at UNIFESP, Midori Ozaki, who is coordinator of the Division of Eyelid and Periorbital Aesthetics at UNIFESP, Rodrigo Souza, who is a biologist from the Department of Genetics and Evo Evolutionary Biology at the University of Sao Paulo, and Norma Aleman, who is an uh, adjunct professor and chief of the ultrasound and ocular imaging at the Department of Ophthalmology, UNIFESP. Abstract. Background. Periorbital fractional CO2 laser resurfacing has been used for facial rejuvenation purposes. However, to the best of our knowledge, no study objectively assessed periorbital malformation and remodeling of local collagen in a split-face model from skin samples obtained during upper blepharoplasty. The objective was to objectively evaluate neoformation and remodeling of local cutaneous collagen after periorbital skin fractional CO2 laser resurfacing. Methods prospective and comparative study in which 16 female subjects presenting with dermatocalasis and periorbital rhytids were evaluated. All subjects underwent unilateral periorbital fractional CO2 laser resurfacing one month prior to upper blepharoplasty. Quantification of types 1 and 3 collagen from laser-treated and untreated eyelid skin samples obtained during upper blepharoplasty was assessed with histochemical analysis because it was red staining. Lasing resurfacing treatment was applied to the untreated side immediately after the upper blepharoplasty. To blinded independent physicians evaluated clinical improvement in pretreatment one and six months post-treatment digital images. Results. Histochemical analysis showed significant higher intensity in collagen types 1, treated uh, 158.7, untreated 139.2, difference uh, minor than 0.0001, and 3, treated 105.1, untreated 104.1, P less than 0.0001 in the samples submitted to fractional CO2 laser treatment. A greater difference was detected in collagen type 1. A significant improvement in periorbital retidosis was observed one month after laser resurfacing, 23%. A greater improvement in the periorbital region was observed six months after laser resurfacing, and upper blepharoplasty, 43.67%. Uh, Conclusions. Periorbital fraction of CO2 laser resurfacing 
demonstrated to be an effective method to improve palpebral skin with histochemical evidence of increasing collagen types 1 and 3. Cutaneous aging is a complex biological process that is influenced by intrinsic, genetically determined degenerative aging process and extrinsic exposure to the environment factors. Signs of skin aging tend to be more evident in sun-exposed skin surfaces and include dermal elastosis, accompanied by degeneration of the surrounding collagenous meshwork. Dermal changes result from an imbalance between production and degradation of the main proteins produced by fibroblasts. The most prominent are collagen types 1 and 3. Fine wrinkles, also known as atrophic rhytids, are commonly seen in aged skin and result from dermal thinning, which is thought to be caused by diminished collagen synthesis. Collagen consists of a macromolecule of glycoprotein with three polypeptide chains. It's the main component of connective tissue and plays a role in the architecture and integrity of the extracellular matrix. Type 1 collagen is the most abundant, corresponding to 80 to 90% of total skin collagen. It's responsible for the tensile strength and has limited elasticity. Type 3 collagen, on the other hand, accounts for 8 to 12% provides resistance to the distensibility of the structural framework with limited tensile strength and is usually associated with type 1. Upper blepharoplasty addresses eyelid skin redundancy and hooding, but it only secondarily improves periorbital retidus via mild tensioning effect. Skin quality remains un unimproved by incision-only approach and frequently adjunct procedures are indicated to obtain more sat satisfactory results. A wide range of therapies such as energy-based devices, chemical pills, microneedling and biostimulators have been reported to promote periorbital rejuvenation by stimulating neocollagenesis. Fractional carbon dioxide laser resurfacing, combined or not with blepharoplasty, has been successfully used for years with a potentially improved efficacy to, ratio, to efficacy to risk ratio for treatment of periorbital skin texture and rich doses. Fractional devices confine thermal injury to a precise pattern of narrow columns of dermis and epidermis, known as micro, microthermal zones. Since only a fraction of this skin is thermally ablated, this technique is associated with rapid reutilization. There is evidence that the molecular mechanism for both fractional and fully ablated CO2 laser resurfacing are similar. CO2 lasers are thought to produce contraction of the skin immediately by dissolution of hydrogen bonds within the triple-helical structure of the collagen fibrils and subsequent uh, acquisition of a random coil configuration, a process known as collagen denaturation, with subsequent stimulation of collagen remodeling in the dermis. 
Histologic and ultra-structural ultra evidence suggest a wound, wound repair mechanism for fractional laser healing, along with increased deposition of new collagen. This neocollagenesis is thought to account for a long-term improvement in skin tightness and ripeness. Objectives. To the best of our knowledge, no previous study objectively assessed neoformation and remodeling of eyelid skin collagen after fractional CO2 laser resurfacing in a split-face modeling in patients who underwent laser resurfacing combined with upper blepharoplasty. The purpose of this study was to analyze changes in types 1 and 3 collagen fibers from laser-treated and untreated eyelid skin samples obtained during upper blepharoplasty and to investigate if there was an association between collagen fibers and clinical improvement in periorbital hydrolysis. Methods. Patients. This study was approved, was approved by the Federal University of Sao Paulo UNIFESP Review Board and written informed consent was obtained from all patients. The study was performed between February 2016 and September 2018. All the subjects were treated in accordance with the tenets of the Declaration of Helsinki. A total of 16 female patients, age range from 45 to 64 years old, Fitzpatrick skin type 2 to, 5, to 4, with evidence of upper age dermatoclases and periorbital retidosis were enrolled in this study. Exclusion criteria included Fitzpatrick skin types 5 and higher, prior surgical procedures or local injection therapies, one year previously, prior laser treatment, recent oral isotretinoin therapy, recent chemical peel, presence of ocular diseases, presence of inflammatory, autoimmune or infectious diseases, pregnancy and lactation. All patients received unilateral fractional CO2 laser resurfacing, then underwent bilateral upper blepharoplasty after 30 days, laser treated and untreated eyelid skin obtained during upper blepharoplasty were sent to histonochemical analysis. Finally, fractional laser resurfacing was applied to the untreated site immediately after the upper blepharoplasty. Subjects returned for follow-up one week and 30 days after unilateral laser resurfacing when upper blepharoplasty was performed. Then one week, one and six months after the upper blepharoplasty, associated with the contralateral laser resurfacing treatment. Laser resurfacing. All subjects underwent unilateral periorbital fractional CO2 laser resurfacing treatment 30 days before upper blepharoplasty, applied by a single physician. Prophylactic oral antiviral agent, acyclovir, was administered to all the patients five days before the treatment to prevent postoperative Herpetic eruptions. To topical anesthesia was applied one hour before the procedure in all patients with a, using a topical cream consisting of 4% lidocaine. Ablative fraction of uh, 10,600 nanometers carbon dioxide laser uh, from DECA at settings of power 30, 30, watt, 30 watts, spacing um, one. 1,000 uh, mi micra 
dwell time 500 milliseconds, stock 1 was used for resurfacing in one hem face, randomly assigned, including forehead, brow, periapital lateral rightids, preceptal and pretarsal eyelid skin, mid face, and lower third of the hem face. A square treatment skin shape was used with a computer pattern generator handpiece. A single confluent treatment pass was performed without overlap. Stainless steel corneal shields were in place during laser treatment, and cotton tipped applicators were used to maintain the eyelid tension and to prevent skin congregation during treatment. Cool compresses and dermal ointment were applied to the skin after the procedure. Patients were instructed not to expose to sun and cosmetics and to apply proper sun protection after complete reappellization. Surgical technique. Upper blepharoplasty was performed at the operating room by a single surgeon following standard aseptic conditions and local anesthesia using lidocaine to 2% with epinephrine 1 to uh, 100,000 each side. Careful marking was performed using a fine tip marking pen. Upper eyelid incision was made with a number 15 blade and only skin was excited conservatively. Medial fat was debulked as deemed appropriate for each patient and hemostasis was obtained with bipolar catheterization and the skin was closed with 6 nylon running sutures. Sutures were removed on the 7th post-operative day. Assessment of periorbital retidosis. Clinical photographic documentation was carried out before 30 days after unilateral fractional laser resurfacing and six months after the upper blepharoplasty associated with fractional laser resurfacing applied to the contralateral side using, using a digital camera E869 from Nikon, Sendai, Japan. The photographs were standardized and were obtained in the semi-ambient light using a chin holder from this little, this little lamp in order to standardize distance. Clinical improvement evaluations were performed by two independent physicians using a previously described eyelid retidosis scale. Zero is it was equal to absent, one minimal, two mild, three moderate, and four severe. The physicians evaluated cropped photographs showing oblique fields of the periorbital region and were blinded to the procedure performed. The order of photographs were randomized. Scores were compared using non-parametric tests, as described below in statistical analysis. The Glasgow Benefit Inventory GBI questionnaire was used to measure satisfaction and benefit in daily life after the combined procedures. GBI is a post-procedural questionnaire which assesses patient benefit from an intervention. Thus, it was only applied post-operatively. It consists of 18 questions based on a 5-point Likert scale. All the scores range from minus 100, maximal negative benefit, to zero, no benefit, to plus 100, that means maximal benefit. Histochemical analysis. Skin samples were fixed in 4% paraformaldehyde and PBS, 
phosphate buffered saline and embedded in paraffin. Five uh, micro thick transversal slices were cut, staining with hematoxylin eosine in picrospherous red and were examined with an exoscope microscope from Carl Zeiss. The images were taken at uh, 200 uh, times magnification with circularly polarized illumination. After being dewoxed with Chilong solution three times each, each time uh, five minutes, and he hydrated through graded ethanol, Slides were stained for microsilius red by 30 minutes at 56 uh, degrees Celsius. After this, the slides stained for hematoxylin for 7 minutes. The microsilius red staining described by Montes and Junqueira showed that serious red is a strong anionic dye comprising six sulfonate groups that bind preferen preferentially to the cationic groups of the collagen fibers. The technique is able to discern in different colors collagen, collagen types 1 and 3 through assessment of differences in interference of colors, intensity and biorefrigency of the colored tissues. Type 1 fibers appear as thick, highly biorefrigerant fibers and are red in color, while type 3 fibers are observed in, in thin bundles with poor biorefrigency and in a greenish-yellow color. We quantified the intensity of red collagen type 1 and green collagen type 3 colors using the profile tool of the Zen software, as described by Souza et al. and Queen et al. All images were standardized using identical camera settings, white balance, gain, and exposure. Statistical analysis. It was implemented using non-parametric tests, men with one for two groups and Kruskal-Wallis for three groups. In cases in which Kruskal-Wallis tests produced statistically significant p-values, the post-hoc conover IMN test of multiple comparisons was applied and the corresponding p-values were adjusted using the benjamin rushberg correction false discovery rate. For multiple tests. All statistical analyses were performed in R statistical package. Differences were considered statistically significant at p-value less than 0.05. Results. Mean age at, of the patients included in this study was 54.9. Uh, ranging from 45 to 64 years old. All patients were female. The average follow-up time was 20 months, ranging from 12 to 38 months. Seven patients had the right to hem face initially treated with laser resurfacing, while nine had the left side treated prior to blepharoplasty. Collagen changes in dermal skin after CO2 laser. No complications were observed regarding the epiblepharoplasty. No differences were observed in outcomes, for example, incidence of ectropion, body behaviors, hitting time, in terms of 
tightening of the laser in relation to blepharoplasty in the two groups. Regarding laser resurfacing, mild to moderate erythema and edema were documented in all subjects, but no serious or long-term complications, including prolonged rehealing and erythema, serious infections, hypo or hyperpigmentation and scarring were noted in any of the subjects. Microserious red staining showed a significantly greater intensity of the collagen type 1 red fibers in the dermis on the treated site. Median values of the intensity of type 3 collagen green fibers were 104.1 in the untreated site and 105.1 in the laser treated site. P uh, was less than 0.0001. Intensity of type 1 collagen fibers was 12.5% higher in the dermis of the treated side, whereas intensity of type 3 fibers was 0.5% higher, suggesting the influence of the laser in the malformation and remodeling of local collagen. Periorbital retidosis improvement. All patients reported improvement in their periorbital retidosis six months after a pubnephroplasty combined with laser resurfacing. Mean GBI score after the combined procedures was plus 68.7 with a standard deviation of 4.9. All patients ex exhibited improvement of periorbital retidosis as rated by two independent observers with P less than 0.0005. 30 days after fractional CO2 laser resurfacing treatment, 12 patients exhibited one grade of improvement, two patients had two grades of improvement, and two patients had three grades of improvement. Six months after laser treatment combined with blepharoplasty, two patients had one grade of improvement, 12 patients had two grades, and one patient had three grades of periorbital improvement. The mean improvement was 43.7% when compared to treatment with post-laser treatment combined with blepharoplasty. Discussion. Reduction in types 1 and 3 collagen is associated with facial aging, especially in sun-exposed skin. Type 1 collagen is responsible for skin tension and is the main structural component of young skin, whereas type 3 provides resistance to the distensibility of the structural framework. Several facial rejuvenation treatments are designed to stimulate leucollagenesis. Clinical improvement associated with these treatment methods is thought to result from fibroblast activation and new collagen deposition. Hentesh et al. demonstrated collagen remodeling after fractional CO2 laser resurfacing, however, types 1 and 3 collagen expressions were not assessed. In the present study, analysis of both laser-treated and untreated sites showed significantly higher intensity of type 1 collagen fibers in greater proportion in type 3 on the treated side, suggesting the role of the CO2 laser resurfacing in the neoformation and remodeling of local collagen.
types 1 and 3 are usually associated. However, it's desirable that rejuvenation methods increase type 1 collagen, since increasing type 3 collagen is associated with calloids and hypotrophic scars. Laser resurfacing, performed at the same time as blepharoplasty, had already been reported as a safe and effective procedure. In the present study, unilateral laser resurfacing was performed 30 days prior to the upper blepharoplasty. Immediately after finalizing the upper blepharoplasty, laser resurfacing was performed in the previously untreated site. There is a paucity of objective data regarding collagen analysis after laser resurfacing in the periorbital area. We aim it to investigate if 30 days after laser resurfacing, differences in, laser, in types 1 and 3 collagen expressions could be detected using picoserious red staining. To the best of our knowledge, our study is the first to evaluate skin samples obtained during upper blepharoplasty in order to objectively assess upper lid skin collagen changes after fractional CO2 laser resurfacing using a split face model. The skin of the periorbital region of the face is the thinnest in the body, which contributes to early signs of aging in this area. Besides providing skin samples for collagen analysis, upper blepharoplasty combined with laser resurfacing permitted to address both skin redundancy and retidosis. In addition, improvement in periorbital retidosis observed six months after both procedures suggests that the clinical improvement resulted, at least in part, from the nail formation and remodeling, remodeling of local collagen. In the present study, treatment response nearly doubled with laser combined with blepharoplasty at six months, 43.7% as compared to 30 days post-laser treatment alone prior to blepharoplasty, 22%. This improvement, observed six months after the combined procedures, also reflects the peak of collagen deformation and dermal remodeling post-CO2, which is expected to occur around three to six months post-treatment. Photodocumentation alone has been shown to be insufficient way an insufficient way of representing the efficacy of rejuvenation treatments. In the present study, besides assessing clinical improvement using photodocumentation, we aim it to objectively assess collagen remodeling after laser resurfacing. Previous studies assessed changes in collagen remodeling after other modalities of fractional laser. Oranger et al. evaluated biopsies of patients who underwent erbium non-ablative fractional laser. At the first day after treatment, a reduction in the expression of types 1 and 3 collagen was observed, but these levels progressively increased over the next two weeks and persisted until week 4 post-treatment. Increase was observed in greater proportion uh, for type 1 collagen, as observed in the present study. Eldomiari et al evaluated ablative and fractional modalities of Erbium-Yag laser by assessing histology and immunohistochemistry. They observed increased nail collagen formation with increased concentration of collagen types 1, 3, and 7. Although different laser modalities were assessed in previous studies, the results of the present study and the previous one once suggests that an increase in the intensity of type 1 in greater proportional and type 3 collagen fibers occur 
uh, after laser resurfacing. Borges et al. analyzed collagen fibers type 1 and 3 in pre-auricular samples and evaluated the density of collagen fibers before and three months after urban fractional laser by analyzing histograms and percentages of the total image area. They observed that resurfacing induced reorganization of types 1 and 3 collagen, suggesting collagenesis, but observed a lower density of collagen fibers characteristic of edema. Thus, it was not clear whether increased collagen deposition was responsible for the improvement in skin firmness uh, observed. They suggest that the benefits from laser resurfacing could also result from edema. Microsilus red staining is a very sensitive and effective method for collagen analysis. Other staining methods, such as Masson's trichrome, also provide quantitative analysis of collagen fibers in connective tissue, giving a blue color to all these fibers, but not allowing the differentiation between types 1 and 3. The analysis of collagen staining by picocytes red is usually available by qualitative methods. However, such methods identify differences with lower sensitivity. In the present study, a quantitative analysis of standardized images was performed through analysis of the red-green-blue pixels of the image. Thus, the intensity of the red type 1 collagen and green type 3 collagen colors could be assessed, providing higher sensitivity. Cutaneous aging involves changes in other elements, such as elastin fibers, besides types 1 and 3 collagen. Analysis of other elements was not performed, and this is a limitation of the present study. Sample size was small, and a longer follow-up would be ideal since healing studies report that thermal remodeling can take up to one year. Although peaks of collagen deformation and thermal remodeling post-CO2 are expected to occur three to six months after treatment, it would be inconvenient for the study, study part, uh, participants to wait three to six months to have the split-phase laser resurfacing treatment completed. For these reasons, the histologic evaluation was performed at 30 days. Conclusion. Periorbital fractional CO2 laser resurfacing demonstrated to be an effective method to improve valid skin quality, with histochemical evidence of increasing types 1 and 3 collagen fibers and improvement of periorbital retidosis, maximizing the upper blepharoplasty effects. Further studies with a larger number of patients, longer follow-up, and analysis of other elements involved in cutaneous aging are needed to permit further considerations. Thank you.